sing the truth. You are worthy to be praised. That there is no pit so deep that you are not deeper still. There is no heartache so great that you are not greater still. There is no tragedy that comes our way, oh God, that you cannot raise beauty from ashes. And so, Father, we come to you as an experienced people in your mercy. An experienced people in your grace. An experienced people in your overwhelming kindness in our lives. And you've done it before. Do it again. Do it again and again and again. And so, Father, we we put before you the families who are having a very difficult time right now, Lord. Lord, we put before you the, the, in the tri-state area those areas that are really affected in deep and profound ways. Father, we bring the church up to you as well, that we would be good stewards, that we would be kind, and that we would be generous, and that we would be broken before you. Father, we pray for President Obama and that you would give him wisdom, wisdom and guidance as he's just recently been reelected, oh God, that you would pour your Holy Spirit on him in such a way Oh, God, that he would glorify Jesus in the decisions that he makes and the directions that he goes. We know that your word says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and we suppose that that also means presidents. So, God, we ask you, move in a powerful way in and through his life. Lord, we ask for the circumstances that we have in our lives that are crushing us, whether it's a stranglehold on, uh, or rather an addiction that has a strangle hold on us, whether it's a spouse that doesn't seem to want to respond to love and kindness, whether it's children who are going wayward or a job who says last day or a, or a circumstance, a health issue. Lord, we put it all before you because you have won the victory. You have defeated death. You are the Savior of the world. And so we celebrate and worship, resting that our God is in control, that his power is great, that our lives are in your hands, and that the future is bright because Jesus is Lord. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Praise God. Great job, worship team. Thank you guys for a great, great, great job. All right. Oh, how exciting it is to be able to suffer for the cause of Christ. Wouldn't that be cool? Isn't that neat? No, you don't seem so excited. Bendito. All right, I know you will be. Okay, we are on week two of um, uh, After the Storm. And the powerful thing about this series is that it was uh, the, the, the sermons that you're hearing now were planned months ago. In fact, we had a group, you know, there's, a, uh, there's about ten of you. Uh, that are here who were in that creative meeting who helped to make that happen and we called it in the mix but then after the storm we decided we'll just change the name of the series and uh, this is the series that you're getting now today we're going to talk about something that some of us don't even have a compartment for we don't, you know how like um, in your house you have drawers and you go, okay, so this is socks and this is underwear and then this is pants or jeans, right? And then this is t-shirts or whatever. You know, you have compartments for those. What we're going to talk about today, some of us don't have a compartment for in our minds. What we're going to talk about today is we're going to talk about um, trusting God in suffering. That God's purpose being worked out in your darkest hour. 
And so it's going to be incredibly powerful, but I need you to tune in because this is something that's very difficult for, to understand because, in fact, when some of us go through suffering, rather than run to God to find the solutions, we go to God only to blame him for what has transpired. And so God is saying, no, 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 if, you just, if we just go back to his precious, glorious, wonderful, holy word, what we're going to discover is that there's a truth that God wants to teach us that's going to profoundly transform every person here, even the person sitting in your seat. And so I want you to just kind of tune in. Um, I want to uh, sh- start uh, sharing this with you by sharing something I might have shared with you before, but I think it's a good illustration. Um, when my son was very young, um, I had him, I forced him, he would say, um, to practice the piano. I forced him to practice the piano. The reason that I forced him to practice the piano is because um, I knew, I knew there was some research done that it would help him with math, science, and get this, if, you're, if your kids study like classical music and stuff, it helps them with math, science, and their belief in God, right? Okay, so now, <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, that was a bad joke. Very bad joke. Forgive me. Um, so, oi, boy. That was a bad joke. So, um, so, and your relationship with God. The reason is, is because you, uh, when you look at G on a note, you have to just accept that that's a G. Like, there's no real good reason behind it, right? Have you ever wondered why this line means G or that line means A or whatever? Well, yeah, it helps you with abstract thoughts. That's why math and science, because when you talk about a billion miles away, that's an abstract idea. Nobody understands what that is. When you talk about science and, you know, things that you could look at in a microscope, those are abstract. They're difficult to understand. Well, I forced him to practice the piano because I wanted to work these good things out in him, and I thought that it would enrich his life. Well, what happened was, is that he, it was drama all the time. Have you ever wanted your kid to like clean up a room or something like that? And it's just like, you're just, it's like the neighbors must think that I'm killing this kid, right? You know, it's like one of those things. And so, so he would go to the piano, and it would be like this, right? I would say, Edwin, I need you to practice, you know, the general rule is a half hour, and I had a couple of rules, right? You know, you're supposed to practice, you're supposed to sing what you play, because then it connects you to the music and all that other stuff. So I go, sing what you play, um, practice for a half hour, do what the teacher gave you, right? And so do you need any help with that? No? Okay, great, great. So he would practice, and he would go like this. Ding, ding, ding. Is the time done? <laughs> you know, I was like, no, dude, half hour doesn't mean three seconds. It means... 30 minutes, and it would go like this, and after about four or five minutes, all I could hear is this, glink, glink, you know, just bands banging up, I should do it, as a matter of fact, just for illustration, here's what it would really look like, right, and I'm not exaggerating this, my kids are here, you can ask them, right, it would be like this, he would be by the piano, and he would be like, you know, uh, oh God, oh God, where are you in this great time of tragedy? Oh, my father's a sadist. And so that's what it would be like. And so, so it would just, it was a blast. It was a blast. We did that for years and years and years, right? So for years, he, he tortured me for that half hour. And then, now, what would happen, right? So he grew up, he grew up, and I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just trying to be funny. Because um, I'm going to where we don't have a compartment for something. Remember, that's, you know, I want, I want you to have a, a section in your mind for what we're about to talk about. The point is, is that now he's in college, and he loves playing the piano, and he's so grateful for the difficulty that I put him through. And 
quite frankly, it's a good way to pick up girls. Not the thing I wanted them to, you know, use it for. But, um, but watch this. The suffering that he went through before is the blessing that he thanks me for now. Come close, come close. When dealing with suffering and pain and difficulty with God, the suffering that you're hurting about now, maybe even cursing God about now, is the very thing. Because, And here's why. Because he knows where he's taking you, and you don't. He knows what he's doing in and through your life, and you don't necessarily. I wonder if I took this microphone right here, and I passed it around to every person. If I, ever, if I said, hey, was there ever a painful moment in your life that you uh, really benefited from, that you could look back and say, oh, yeah, man, I wouldn't have, th- you know, I wouldn't have gone, I wouldn't ask God to let me go through that again. I wouldn't do anything like that. But you know what I would do? I would, I would thank God for that. Because even though it looked really super bad then, it was for my own good. You know, right? So, like, when I'm 15 years old, my, uh, uh, you know, my little 15-year-old girlfriend broke up with me. I thought it was the end of the world, Right? But now I see her on Facebook, and I'm like, thank you, God. And so, right? So, like, right. So, so you, go, you go, oh, man, God knew, right? God knew. And so <laughs> we do that, don't we? So now today, so today, what we're going to talk about is, under, now, we're going to talk about understanding and seeing God's purpose as perfect, even when his perfect Purpose is painful. Okay? And so, here's a couple of things. A few things that, you know, some of you may not know about me. Some of you are new. Uh, A lot of you have been here for a while. My life has not been without suffering. I know what it's like to be abandoned. I know what it's like to have a mother who's addicted to prescription medication. I know what it's like to have a mother who has mental problems and make that even more complex. I know what it's like to have a father who thought the best idea for his family was to leave it. I know what it's like to be left in a place told that people were going to come back and they didn't. I know what it's like uh, to have a broken marriage. I know what it's like to have... I I could tell you stories. And so I'm not speaking out of today from a Pollyannic, pie-in-the-sky, ridiculous, oh, don't worry, just, you know, come on, it's going to be a blessing, or it's going to be, you know, no, 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 listen, I'm talking about taking all of your tears and taking all of your pain and bringing them to God because he is trustworthy. That's what we're talking about. So we're, gonna, we're going to be speaking about that, and so today we're going to... Um, read just one verse. Now, you guys know that whenever I preach, I don't like um, preaching just one verse because I need you to have context. I'm not picking this out of the sky. So in order to understand the one verse that we need, you're going to need to go home and read the entire chapter, except it's one of the hinge pins of all of Scripture. And if I did more than two verses, if I did more than one verse here, you'd be here till the 1115 service. 
And so we're going to just look uh, at God's word, one verse. And I'm going to ask that you memorize it when you go home. But I'm going to ask that we all stand to our feet. Why? Because this is God's holy word. And we reverence God's word. And God is awesome. And he's about to share with us what he thinks about suffering and pain and how to go through it in a way that would honor him. So we're going to read it all together. It's just one verse. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Um, Go ahead and memorize Romans 8. Romans chapter 8 is a phenomenal chapter in the Bible. It's one of the hinge pins um, in the Bible. So we're going we're gonna to read it together with a, a nice and loud, and then we're going to get into it. All right, so one, two, three. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Praise God. May God bless the hearing and the reading of his word. Please sit down. Okay. So here's the big idea. If you have to go to the bathroom or leave a little bit early, I understand. Here's, here's the big idea for today. Today's big idea is this. God's purposes are perfect. God's purposes are perfect. Now, here's, if you're anything like me, there are some moments in life that not only seem imperfect, seem cruel. Does anybody have a moment like that in life, right? Can anybody, anybody got a, right? Anyone, oh, just two or three of us, right? Yeah. All y'all just live, I'm going to speak to y'all because they don't have any problem. Right, yeah. So, so the, the fact is, is that we've gone through stuff. Isn't it true? And you go, wait, wait, Edwin, you mean, didn't, didn't you share how you went into a room, Ed, and, and there was an adult there and he took advantage of you and you said you died that day? Yeah, yeah. You think that God could work that out? Even that? He goes, wait, wait, you mean, you've got, and, and, and you've got story, right? You mean the doctor told me incurable, terrible, you, you think that God could work that out? Yeah, sure. You think that God to, could work a broken heart? Hey, listen, I understand. We all go through stuff that we just overwhelms us. But here's the problem about pain. Pain is like Pain is like your thumb. And the sun is who God is, right? The, we're, we're, we're giving an example. God, obviously, God is not any physical thing that you could see. I'm just giving you an example. And so what, happen, what happens is, is that when pain comes in your life, you go like this. And I go, hey, um, there's the sun in the sky. Do you see it? And you're like, no, I can't see it. And you go, well, it's right there. He goes, I can't see it. All I could see is my thumb. And you understand that it's because the pain brings things that are so close to your life that you can't see beyond your pain. And that's what makes suffering so sufferable, right? It makes suffering so terrible, right? And so um, we're going to see God's perspective on the circumstances in our lives that we might not get answers for, but that God has a purpose for and so we read it. I'm going to read it again. It's worth reading. We should memorize this um, throughout the week. It wouldn't be a bad idea. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. So let's look at this. And we know. And we know. Now, here's what you've got to understand about this letter. Paul is writing. Paul, who's the human author that the Holy Spirit inspired to write what we are receiving right now the book of Romans, right? 
Paul was an apostle in the first century. He came to Christ. He was a, uh, what's cool about Paul is that he hated Christians and Christianity. He totally didn't want to have anything that, in fact, he was a persecutor and a murderer of Christians. He didn't want Christians. Right? Do you, any of you identify? Like, has there ever been a time in your life where you hated Christianity? And then, all right, if like a year ago I would have said, hey, you're going to be in church on Sunday talk, listening to a guy talk about uh, suffering. If a year ago I would have said that, some of y'all would have been like, mm-hmm, right, you know, I, you, know you just lost your clean time. Because, uh, because there's no way I would do that. But the truth is, is that God can take people like Paul and make them into faithful followers of Jesus Christ. And he's going to do it in your life. You didn't know? <laughs> And now some of you find that nerve-wracking, but it's true. And uh, so now watch this. And he's writing to these Christians, and here's what he says. Family, we all know this. This is true. Now here's the problem. In this room, I'm not convinced that we know. I'm not convinced that we got the memo. I'm not convinced that we're no longer living in that sort of idea that we came from. That when bad things happen, it's because you're cursed by God, or because God is punishing you, or because God is trying to get you, or because you were a bad little boy, or because you looked up that girl's skirt when you were in school, you know, when you were a child at school, or you cursed at your mother, or you, you know, whatever it was. Whatever your deal is for thinking that God hates you. But Paul comes back and says, this is common knowledge. This is something that we've all experienced. Now, if you don't know, I want you to know. Now, when we talk about this word know, this is not the word know like mental ascension. In other words, uh, I know that 2 plus 2 is 4. That's something that you mentally ascend to, but it's not something you emotionally feel. When we talk about, when the Bible talks about no, it talks, it's talking to a people, and, and listen, and come on, you feel me, you understand, you know, not know mentally, know experientially, right? And so when a spouse can, um, when a spouse comes up to you and says something like this, um, you know that I love you, they're not saying you have the mental ascension of my love for you. They're saying, look at my actions. Look at your experience. Look at our relationship. There's an experience that you have that gives you an understanding deeper than just mental ascension. It's not mental ascension. It's an emotional experience. And so, and we know. So, let me ask you something. Have you ever gone through something that you look back on that was a nightmare that you see, oh man, God used that? Has there ever been an arrest that got you a little bit closer to getting clean? Has there ever been a heartache that got you a little closer to the love of your life? Has there ever been a brokenness that led to a healing that you did not know could be possible? And we know experientially. And if you don't, you can know. You can take a step back from the pain and go, oh wait, there's something bigger than the suffering that I'm going through. Because I have experience in the past that I can pull from and bring it into this present and see, oh wait, 
God has been working in my life for a long, long time. You know why? Because God's purposes are perfect, even in painful circumstances. And we know that in... Somebody, what's the next word? Anybody know what the next word is? All things. This is an interesting word, um, all, in the Greek you know what this, because you know the Bible, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and so it's a very interesting word. Anybody know what all means? It means this. It's very powerful. It means all. That's what it means. It doesn't mean most of your circumstances. It doesn't mean the circumstances that you had control over, but not the ones that you didn't have control over. It means, watch this, in the Greek, all. Right? For those of you who are bilingual, todo. Right? It is all circum, And we know that in, and watch this, not outside of, not by the side of, but in all. You mean when my wife told me that she was about to leave me, God was working in, yeah. You mean when my kids started going down that road that I was just heartbroken about and would have done anything to change? Mm-hmm. You mean... Because here's the thing. There's not just stuff that we do that we go through pain about. There's stuff that happens to us. Isn't that true? Like stuff that we did not volunteer for at all. You mean that God could use this rape, this molestation, this robbery, this assault, that God can use all things. Now, listen to me. This is huge. And for some of you, remember how I said right now, as I'm speaking right now, some of you are emotionally pushing back on me. Go, you don't know what I've gone through. And you don't know my circumstances. And you would never say that. If I told you, it wasn't a one-time thing. It was a relative. And it was over and over and over again. And I just... And if, I, and if you came up here and you shared with us your tragedy, we would all cry. And it would be terrible. And we would be shook. And then we would go back to this verse and say, all things. Todo? Everyone? You mean the ones that I look back on and blame my dysfunction on? The ones that still, when I think about, cause tears to well up? in my eyes? You mean the one that I'm presently living right now that I think that I'm dying over? And we know that in all things, every circumstance, deep, profound things, and silly, superficial things, things that you cause, things that are caused unto you, Things that you go through and things that you put others through. All things. That in all things. And we know, we've experienced that all, todo, all things. And here it is. God works. Now let me just read the entire statement because I want you to see. God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But I want you to see this. God works. Now, Let me ask you something. Are all things good? Of course not. Of course not. Not all things are good. 
In other words, what happened to me when I walked into that room is evil for eternity. It'll be, it was evil when it happened. It'll be evil my whole life. It'll be evil for the in kingdom, uh, when kingdom comes. It's evil forever. It's evil forever. But God works even. Now, wouldn't it stink? Think about this for a second. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be stinky if God did not work in evil? Like, wouldn't it be terrible if we had a God here on the side and who said, you know, who you're going through evil and you're going through terrible stuff. And I mean, it's painful, right? She said, I can't be married to you and there's someone else. He said, I'm leaving and I never loved you. Your kids are going through some tragedy. Your, your health, the doctor says, no more. A wave takes your house. Whatever you're going through, wouldn't it be tragic? Wouldn't it be just awful if God stood on the side and said, wow, that looks really bad. I can't work with it. Give me something to work with. Wouldn't that be just awful? Wouldn't that be terrible? What, what, I wouldn't want to know a God like that. I wouldn't want to have a skin disease and not know that God could use my skin disease for his glory and honor and my good. I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't want to have a kid on his deathbed and not know that God could use that for his glory and our good. I wouldn't want to have a, 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 a tragedy in my marriage and not know that God could use that for his glory and my good. I mean, what kind of God? It would be a terrible thing if we submitted to go and we go, well, you know, God had nothing to do with this. No, God can work in this. God can use this. God can move in this. No, but Edwin, I lost a loved one. We know that in all things, God works. Yeah, but the love of my life says she doesn't love me anymore. And we know that in all things, God works. Yeah, but the doctor said I was not going to get healed and there's no real hope for me. I have three months. And we know that in all things, God works. Because God's purpose is perfect. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. So here's, so here's what I'm saying. Could you believe that in your darkest hour, that God promises to work it out for your good? Now, here's the problem. The problem is, is that we're Americans. That's the problem. So we grew up in an individualistic society. That means it's in the water that we drink. It's in the food that we eat. We took it in with mother's milk. That if I can't see a benefit in it for me, then there's no benefit in it. If I can't see any good in it for me, then there's no good in it. If I can't see any positive, uh, uh, if I can't see any positive uh, things rising up for it for me, then, then it's not good. So let me give you an example of uh, a positive thing uh, happening, right? So, um, so you guys know, right, lost a bunch of stuff and uh, got to restart. And what a blessing. I get to, uh, there's been like three times in my life where I get to start from zero again. 
And the beauty about this is that you get to fix stuff that you would have never been able to fix, right? Like that car had three lights on it that never shut off, the engine and the transmission. I go, man, I needed a new car. And, and, and you know, they just, you know, so it's, it's cool, right? God gives grace. He gives grace and he gives strength and nothing. You, listen, your pit is not so deep that God is not deeper still and will meet you in the darkest moments of your life. And it's, I'm telling you, I'm not making this up because we know, we've experienced, we've gone through, we've, we've seen some stuff and we can say, yeah, it happened then, it's happening now, it'll happen again. It's, it's, it's going to happen. And so, and so if we don't see a personal benefit from it, so let me just give you an example for my children. Um, so my children, they, they lost, and they're, they're brokenhearted. They lost their friends. They, they, they can't go to the school anymore. And so they lost their neighborhood, their friends, the beach, the, you know, the, all the things that they lost. And so they were, they're, they're very, very sad about it. But you know what today they were doing? They were, they were praising God, not verbally, but you could see it in their eyes, right? And there's this reason. Because in the school that we have them going to, it's like a 21st century school. It's like really, um, and they don't use textbooks anymore. They use tablets, right, tablets, right? And so they're going, they're looking through their little, you know, whatever, Kindle Fire, right? And they're, 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 they're going through their Kindle Fire going, well, you know, the storm isn't so bad, you know, you know, right? Like, you know, you know, God's going to work it out for our good. It's all right, you know. They're going through their Kindle Fire, right? Because Now watch this. That makes sense because they can now see a benefit. Now, that's true, and that's good, and we should celebrate that. But that's not the level of maturity we want to stay. Could it be possible that there's absolutely no pleasure in it for you? That there's no good reason that you could see, no benefit in it for you, for me? That there's the suffering that you're going through. You're not going to have any answers till you get to eternity. Could it be that God is still working for your good even when it all looks bad. And for some of you, that's not a thought. For some of you, you're going through it right now. And it's very emotional. And it's very difficult. But I don't see anything good in the... That's not what the Bible is saying. The Bible is not saying that you will see... But what about starving children in Africa? What about earthquake victims in Guatemala? What about uh, hurricane victims in the Rockaway? And say, listen, listen, just because you don't see doesn't mean that they're not real. There's um, in, um, in, uh, in Africa, there's a fly, and it's, it's an interesting fly because it's it's a, it has a very powerful sting, but the sting is disproportionate to the size of the fly because the fly is so small. They call the flies noceums. The reason that they call them noceums is because you know see them. <laughs> really? I'm not kidding. And so they're called noceums. And so now here's the thing. If I opened up, this is what suffering's like. I'm going to share with you, I'm going to give you an illustration of what suffering's like because we don't, we're not sure that God works all things for the good. And so what happens is if I got you into a tent and I opened up the screen and you looked in the tent and I said, is there a Great Dane in that tent, like a full-grown Great Dane or a lion or an elephant? You would go, oh, yeah, there is one. Or, oh, no, there's not one. You would be able to easily see a large animal like that, right? But if I opened up a tent in Africa and I said, are there any noceums in there? You wouldn't know. They're so small that they actually can fit through the holes of nets. You know the little nets? 
That's how small they are. So if, if I pushed it back, you would be able to say, I don't, you would say, I don't see any noceums. But just because you don't see any noceums doesn't mean that they're not there. And I think it's the height of arrogance, like children playing at the piano, to think that we know everything that the Father would have for us. I think it's the height of arrogance to say, because I don't see any benefit in my life over this. I st- Listen to me. Listen to me. My mother has been going into hospitals since I was five years old. I've seen her on the street. You know the crazy person on your block? The one who starts yelling in the street? My mother was the crazy person in the neighborhood. I remember when my mother would go on a corner and sing like, as, like you would be able to hear her for two blocks and just start singing. And I remember my anxieties would come up and I would run downstairs and I would go, Mama, 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 it's okay, sing to me, sing to me upstairs. Sing to me upstairs. Come, 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 come. My mom has not gotten better in the last 35 years. I think she's progressively gotten worse. And I know see him. I know see him. I know see no benefit for me. I know see no benefit for her. I know see him. But because I know see him doesn't mean that God doesn't see him. And who knows if God needed to, and listen to me, if God is using that for purposes that will benefit my grandchildren rather than benefiting me or benefiting my children. Because you know, see him, doesn't mean that God is not working in your life. We have to go. And we know, we've experienced, we've, we've, had, a, we've had time with, it's an emotional thing, and we know that in all things, todo, not one exception, and we know that in all things, God works even when we don't see him for the good of those who love him. So let me just say this. Listen to me right now. I'm your pastor and I love you deeply. For the good of those who love him. Please. 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 Choose to love him. Please. Because we know that in all things, God works for the good. But here's the caveat. There's a condition. You know how like, we all say, well, God's uh, love is unconditional. I don't know if you read this Bible. There's tons of conditions on this thing. Tons. Right? Like, right, um, the prudent man sees danger. Um, uh, right? You would think that the guy who preached on that would have actually left the city that was going to get swallowed by ocean. But, uh, fine. Um, <laughs> Um, prudent man sees danger, um, uh, but the prudent man sees danger, um, but the foolish keep on um, see, see something and, and suffer for it, right? Okay, now watch this. There's a condition for that. There's a condition for that. Um, love the Lord with all your heart. And um, love, the, uh, um, love the Lord with all your heart, and he'll give you desires. I'm messing up. I'm paraphrasing. Um, and he'll give you the desires of your heart, right? Right? So love God. And then he'll give you the desire. What's the condition? Love God. 
right? Right? Um, uh, you know, um, no temptation to seize you except what is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll pry it away out so that you can stand up under it. Well, we, 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 what's the condition? Well, we, we'll stand under it if we run to Jesus. It's not over us. It's not above us. It's not beyond us. Listen to me. There are tons of conditions in the Bible. Here's the condition. To have every moment in your life be filled with goodness. Not that you could see the goodness. Not that you can even experience the goodness. But to know that God is doing it for your good and his glory. Here it is. Love him. Now, you go, but that's too much. Good news. There are other portions in the Bible that speak about how God draws you to himself. That this is not an act of your own. That you and of yourself are dead in your sins and trespasses. You want nothing to do with God. The fact that you're here is proof that God is wooing you to himself. It's a powerful thing. God goes, listen, I'm going to ask you to do something. And then I'm going to help. It's like um, uh, my daughter. When they were young, right, you know, they would run, you know, a light bulb would go out and they would go, um, uh, you know, hey, Pa, can I help you? And I would go, absolutely, I want you to change the light bulb. Well, it was too high for them, so what do you do? You pick them up, you give them the idea, change the light bulb, you pick them up, you hold them up, and all they got to do is this. And they would just celebrate that. But I gave them, I gave them absolutely, and if you want to get real deep, I even gave them the hands to be able to do this, right? And so... It's amazing how God is working in and through your life for his glory and your good and how it, he works for the good of those who love him. But let me tell you something, and this is going to sound terrible and I don't want it to, but I need to. I'm not your friend. I do you no favors if I don't tell you this. And we know that God works for the good of those who love him. Conversely, conversely, God works for the bad of those who don't. Is that okay? Listen to me. Listen to me. And you go, I don't know if I like that kind of God. Listen, I understand. I understand. Because we all want God. You know what we want God? We want God to be like a minstrel or a performing monkey. We want God to do and act and behave in the way that we want. And then when God gets all autonomous and says, no, I'm not taking your orders, we're like, oh, no, this is terrible. That's not a God. No, but let me tell you something. In the end, in the end, if you had billions of dollars, had every pleasure handed to you, um, new friendships and all that other stuff, and then you were eternally separated from God, you would look back in time and say, all those distractions kept me from loving God. If your heart was so, uh, were so given to these things, and you had all the family, and you had all the goods, and you had all the finances, and you had all the pleasure, and everything that you ever wanted, you would look back in eternity, being separated from God and hell, you would say, you would look back to that, and you would say, none of it was good. None of it was good. Let me, let me give you an illustration about this. If, if uh, and this has happened before, where I'm like totally burnt out, and friends come to the rescue and do all sorts of stuff like that, and I'm grateful for friends who do that, right? Um, but could you imagine if I had a best friend and that best friend came up to me and said, uh, hey, Edwin, I want you to just kind of, you know, relax and take it easy. You look like you're burnt out and all that. So what I want you to do is I'm going to pay for a plane for you to go to California. I'm going to give you a thousand dollars of spending money. I'm going to give you a place to stay when you get there. I'll give you a nice car to drive around in. I just want you to rest and relax. Do that for two weeks. He sends me off. Right. And I would go, man, this is all working for my good. Right. 
And then I come back only to find out that the last two weeks he was trying to get with my wife. He just wanted me out of the picture. I would go, man, this was all for my bad. Conversely, listen, this is very powerful. Come, 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 come. If in the end we do not end up with the Savior, then all of the good that you see in your life, you would look back on as bad because it kept you from your Savior. So I want you to see that all things work for the good of those who love him. But conversely, they don't for those who don't. Who have been called according to his purpose, and that's simply those who follow and obey. Now, remember, what we've been saying here, and the one thing that I wanted you to learn is this. God's purpose is perfect. But I want to illustrate this in a, I think, a, a, well, before I do. Um, So, with the time that we have left, I want to tell you what I want you to do as you go home. Okay, here it is. When you leave here today, the problem, remember what I told you about pain, that it overwhelms us and we can't see it? Okay, here's the problem with pain. You, need, you and I need reminders. Every time, every day, we go through an inconvenience, a difficulty, a suffering, a heartache, we need to be reminded that God is working for our good. So, so here's what I want you to do. Throughout this week, I want you to somehow communicate to your friends, your family. You can do this on Facebook. You can do this face-to-face. You can do this on Twitter. You can do this over the phone. You can do this any way you want. But throughout this week, I want you to say, God's purpose is perfect, and then name the thing that you're struggling with. God's purpose is perfect, fill in the blank. What is it? God's, perfect is per- is, God's purpose is perfect in my workplace. Not my workplace is not perfect. My workplace is driving me crazy, but God is doing something. You know what that will start having you do? You'll start begging the question. It begs the question, just what are you doing, God? Let me know. I want to be in on it. I want to flow with whatever it is that you're doing. It will start having you think. God's purpose is perfect in my marriage. My marriage is not perfect. You know, he, she might be driving me crazy, but God's purpose is perfect. God, what could you be doing? Because here's what we know. We know that God's more interested in your character than your circumstances. We know that God is more interested in your holiness than your happiness. And so if that in fact is true and we believe that God has a bigger, broader picture than you and I could ever have, if it's true that God's purposes are perfect, if it's true that just because we know, see him, that God is doing something great in and through our lives, if that's a fact and if that's true, then we need to declare that and be reminded of that. God's purposes are perfect in my homeless situation. God's purposes are perfect in my breakup. And you start asking, well, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I want to know what you're doing. We know this. We know this because God says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Could you imagine if you started to do that? What would, let me ask you something. What would happen to your depression? What would happen to your depression if that happened? If you started to believe what we're talking about now, what would happen to your anxieties? Wait, wait, wait. 
I'm going, oh no, you know, the job, the bills, and the not enough money. All, wait, 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 wait. God's purposes are perfect in this. God, what are you doing? I want to be in on what you're doing. Are you trying to make me more dependent on you and less dependent on my job, my circumstances, my finances? Is that what you're doing? You see? God's purposes are perfect in my struggle. God, are you using this struggle so that I might lean more deeply upon you? So that I might not... I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's powerful. God's purposes are perfect. Now, we know that God can use even the most horrible circumstance. We know that he can use even the most horrible circumstance. Because there was one time where the king of the universe was in heaven, Jesus. And the father and the son were looking down on this earth, this broken world, and they were looking throughout this earth, throughout all of time, and they were seeing nothing but rebellion. They were seeing nothing but sin. They were seeing nothing but people hurting themselves and hurting others. And can you hear the conversation between the father and the son as, as the son goes, man, the, you're, it's awful what's happening down there. And, and the father saying to the son, there's a, there's a way to, to fix that. And the son going, well, how could we do that? And, and the father telling the son, oh, It'll take a sacrifice. It'll take the darkest moment. It'll take, listen to me. Have you ever heard somebody say, why do good things happen, uh, why do bad things happen to good people? Listen to me. That only happened once. And he volunteered. And you, well, it would take a person being born perfect and sinless without Adam's corruption and it would take that person to live a perfect and sinless life and then that person would have to be punished for the penalty of everyone else's sin he would have to be the substitutionary atonement he would atone for their sins and and the son going I'll do it seeing your face seeing your life seeing your circumstances. And he goes, he goes, I know that they're going to be raped. I'm going to die for that sin. I know that they're going to be robbed and acted upon. I know they're going to be abandoned and abused. I'm going to die for the pen. I'm not only going to die for their sin, I'm going to die for the sin that was acted upon them. I'm going to do that for them. And amazing. And so Jesus came to earth, was born of a virgin in a smelly, stinking barn, and he lived the life that you should have lived but did not. And died the death that you deserve to die but do not have to because he came to bear your sin on his shoulder. In fact, the same word here, purpose, where it says, uh, for, uh, uh, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, is the same word that Paul uses for God's plan of salvation. And if you were there on that Friday night and you saw a man naked and crying out, my God, my God, why have thou forsaken me? You would have said, God's not here. 
But God would have said, there's a purpose. And it's for the good. It's not for Jesus' good, it's for your good. He didn't get any pleasure out of it, you get the pleasure out of it. He didn't, listen, he, he endured all of the pain, all of the suffering, all of the criminality, and you get all of the benefits. He trades his righteousness for your filthy, filthy rags. His righteous robes for your filthy rags. That's not a bad trade. And he says, not only did I do it in me, but because you've surrendered, if you've surrendered your heart to me, I'll do it in you. I'll live in you and do the same thing. That there'll be, there'll be every day, there'll be a little bit of dying happening and a lot of his glory going on. God is calling you. So here's, if you don't know Jesus, oh, would you just give your heart to Jesus? Here it is. Just go, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm corrupt. I've deviated. I've not followed your ways. But God, your purpose that caused you so much pain and suffering is a benefit for even sinners like me. Run to him. Do that now. Don't wait till I'm finished. I'm praying for you. And for those of you who already know Jesus, I'm asking you that you just go throughout this week. God's purposes are perfect. Fill in the blank. And that you may know that God not only has not abandoned you, but will work in you and through you for your good and his glory because his purpose is good. We're going to sing hallelujah. You know what hallelujah means? It means highest praise. Highest praise to God. So we're going to sing that together and then I'm going to pray for you.